Hey friend, this is Ryan Thomas. We're so blessed and grateful you're listening to On the Road and supporting Faith Radio. You are quite simply the best and we appreciate you so much. Enjoy the show. Discovering stories of courage, determination, and hope. Welcome to Faith Radio's On the Road. Now, here's Ryan Thomas. When Steve Sterling was a small boy, it seemed unlikely he would change the world. As a one-year-old in post-war Korea, he contracted polio after his father brought the virus home unknowingly. Realizing he wasn't able to take care of his disabled son, Steve's father left him and his sister at an orphanage. But against all the odds, Steve was adopted by an American couple. Overcoming abandonment and adversity, he got a tremendous education and joined corporate America as a high-powered marketing expert. Then he found Jesus, an extraordinary purpose working in the nonprofit world helping bring medical assistance and the message of Jesus to those in need around the globe. Steve is now president and CEO of Medical Assistance Programs International and authors the new book, The Crutch of Success, From Polio to Purpose, Bringing Health and Hope to the World. And this good man joins us today on the road. A tremendous day to you, sir. How are things? Well, God is good. Uh, We're thankful for all these provisions and all God has for us in the new year. Well, one of the central moments in your life happens when you're just one year old, uh, Steve. Can you give us a sketch of what leads to your contracting polio and then how it's continued to impact you to this day? Well, my uh, father, um, and we found, it's in my book, but also we've learned this because we were able to find my uh, biological family in uh, 1991. And uh, so my father, grandfather, went to a funeral of a friend whose child had passed away and unbeknownst to him, the child passed away from polio. And so this would have been when I was one. So it'd be about 1957. And so uh, when he came home, he held me. I was the, I was a baby at the time. And I was also the first uh, uh, son, which is a big deal in the Asian family carrying on the family name. So he was devastated when he learned uh, later that I had polio and he had passed it on to me, uh, unknowingly to me. And so that was the start of a, a long journey. And uh, so I'm sure it was uh, very, very difficult for him because he felt personally responsible uh, for passing on the polio virus to me. And, uh, you know, it's impacted me because without having a polio, I would not have gone through the challenge in my life. And, and uh, but it was very blessed to be uh, placed into a Christian orphanage uh, when I was five, and then very blessed to be adopted. And here I am today. And had I had not polio, I would not be here today. So I'm thankful for to God for allowing me to get polio wow. so that He used me for His uh, kingdom. Well, I want to dig deeper into that because you're you're very upfront with that 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 you see in many ways that polio has been a gift to you and has given you perspectives that you wouldn't have had otherwise. But you're talking about being adopted there to this amazing American family. Before we talk a little bit more about that, do you remember much about that time between age one and age five? Because I don't think for myself, I have any memories preceding age five, sir. Well, I I do remember some very traumatic experiences because I remember when I was, I think about, it was before I went to the orphanage. I remember 
my family took me to these uh, herbal doctors and they have uh, uh, these, looks like hot blowing cigarettes, but they're herbal. And what they do is they touch your body. So I have burn scars, like cigarette marks, burn spots on my legs and my uh, back and whatnot. And it was very painful because they, they touch it, blowing red amber, and they don't give you any anesthesia. So they think by touching it, it would somehow jumpstart my nerves. And so obviously they meant well, and that was so painful. I was screaming, and they were holding me down, and uh, I remember that uh, very well. And then also uh, I remember uh, uh, the the night before my father uh, dropped me off at the orphanage, he abandoned me. I remember the night before he um, got drunk, and I never remember him getting drunk before. But uh, I realized it must have been very painful for him to to know that he would uh, literally leave his son at the, at the footstep of an orphanage so that I may have a chance in life. Actually, then I was uh, from in the whole orphanage from about five to ten. So I was in the orphanage for about five years. You know, I didn't have anyone. So, but I was so I would I would literally crawl back to where my dad dropped me off, thinking that he would uh, pick me up because he told me. You know, Myung-soo is my Korean name. It's to cry and somebody will get you. So I cried, and sure enough, somebody got me. But then I thought he would come back for me. So I would crawl back to uh, to where he dropped me off, and uh, but he never came back. But fortunately, about uh, two weeks later, my relatives dropped my uh, biological sister, Myung-hee. She was adopted with me. Her name's Mary Ellen now. So at least she and I were together in the orphanage for five years. And... Uh, uh, to going up there, it was very also uh, painful because I was the only handicapped kid to go to a regular school, and kids would constantly pick on me, verbally abusing me, physically abusing me because I was handicapped, and uh, and uh, and so uh, consequently, uh, you know, I don't know why, but I still wanted to learn, but uh, I would then go back where the handicapped kids were kept, and I would line them up, and uh, I would take it out on them. So, but it was my sister had done something very unselfish. When my parents came to Korea uh, in 1964 to pick up another brother and sister that's not related to me, they were passing a candy to the children that were being left behind. And so my sister was there. She was, uh, at the time, she would have been about uh, six years old. So she took the candy and she ran off. And so my parents asked the orphanage workers, since she liked us, why did she run off that way? And they said, no, she has a handicapped brother and she's taking him candy first. I, I had her trained really well. She was my legs. Uh, but they were so touched by that. They said, oh, we need to meet her brother. So they went to the back of the orphanage where the handicapped kids were kept. And they saw me smiling. And they said, oh, we need to adopt both of them. Had she not done share the candy with me, my parents would have never adopted two, two of us. Because we were very unadoptable. We were older. We were siblings. And I had uh, disabilities. But because of her act of kindness, my parents ended up adopting adopting us uh, and came to America in 1966. Wow. Wow, that is incredible stuff. Uh, Mr. Steve Sterling is with us today. He's the president and CEO of Medical Assistance Programs International. He authors the new book, The Crutch of Success, From Polio to Purpose, Bringing Health and Hope to the World. And you can learn more about the organization and get a link to the book at map.org. So you have this incredible academic career from all of these disadvantages that you had. You're obviously just a, a brilliant kid, a smart kid. You you end up in the halls of the Ivy League. 
Were you always quite a driven one as well? Where did that come from? <laughs> you know, I have to, uh, I would disagree. I'm not a smart kid. I was very driven. And where that came from was because when I, uh, I, I needed to survive. And when you're just left off at the orphanage, you have to fight, you have to be a fighter. And so maybe it was part of my DNA. But when I came to America, I wanted to make my parents happy because, you know, I was old enough to know uh, when I came to America, this was, uh, you know, God was answering my prayer. I didn't know who Jesus was, but I would talk to God. So I would pray to God, and and uh, I was very driven because I wanted to please my parents. And also I wanted to prove to people that I was as good as somebody who was not handicapped. Later on, that became detrimental because I wanted to show people I was better than them. And so the German part actually would get me into really trouble, and that was in my book. Um, but, uh, and again, you talk about me going to this Ivy League school in Northwestern. It was really God answering my prayer because I remember when I was in the, uh, high school, I asked my mom and dad, I said, you know, mom and dad, where are the best colleges in the United States? And they said, uh, Ivy League school and Stanford. And I told them, well, I'm going to go to one of them. They said, Steve, uh, we adopted six kids, and God bless one of their own. And, you know, we don't have much money, and those schools are very expensive, and they're very hard to get into, which means I'm not that smart, and I'm not. And I said, uh, <laughs> then I said, well, God will provide. And they're probably looking at each other. I said, well, what is this kid talking about? And I tell you that because, you know, I was not that smart, but God provided me uh, a way to get into Cornell, a transfer to, from Cornell from Northwest from uh, uh, University of Alaska, then to Cornell, and I went to Northwestern. But God provided the finances. I ended up uh, getting some scholarships, and then the uh, Johnson & Johnson Leadership Scholarship paid for on my MBA. So it was literally God providing for me uh, by answering my prayer. So it was not because I was that smart, because I'm that driven, yes, uh, to the detriment of people sometimes, but, uh, but uh, I was not that smart. I'm still very humbled by where I am today. <laughs> Well, it, obviously a humble man. I enjoyed reading the book so much, and even just the way that you turn a phrase and the thoughtful way that you write. It seems very intelligent to me, Steve, but I defer to you. You're more of an expert on yourself than I am. I defer to you, sir. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> now, after school, you pursue a marketing career, and you climb the ladder of corporate success, but this is really the time in your life when that title of the book, The Crutch of Success, comes into play you start to pursue excellence with such abandon that it actually becomes a real problem in your life. Is that fair to say? Yes. You know, um, when you get out of the business school and you have, you're climbing the corporate ladder and, you know, you, you come out of the Northwestern top MBA school and there's, you start working in, in marketing, you start going from assistant to product director, then to senior to director. And, you know, eventually I was vice president of marketing it's just all about achievement. It's all about work, and it's all about getting ahead. And after a while, that became detrimental. Uh, I was successful if you look at it from a uh, business and uh, people success. I was, uh, you know, I had uh, two cars, a house, and you know, bigger bank accounts and stocks and all sorts of things, stock options. And but then it was really uh, when I was my last corporate job. I was the vice president of marketing for Ameritrade uh, for acquisition and retention. 
And that was so overall uh, consuming type of job that it was literally uh, not good for my health. And that was a time period when God got hold of me to change what I was uh, doing. At this point is when you have an encounter with Jesus. How does that connection happen? You know, I accepted Christ as my Savior in, uh, in 1987 when my son was uh, almost one year old at a church, Christian Fellowship Church in uh, Evans, Indiana. Um, the pastor took the time to come to our house when we raised our hands to be uh, uh, baptized. So uh, Suki accepts Jesus as his Lord and Savior, but I'll only accept him as my Savior because I want to go to heaven. But I don't accept him as my Lord because I don't want anybody telling me what to do. Uh. I, I literally had a 10-year plan. I didn't want anybody to tell me what to do. So for the next seven years, I made fun of Suki. I called her a Bible thumper. I said, you don't believe everything in the Bible is true. You know, she would say, let's go to church. I said, I went to church last Sunday. Well, I go to church now. And, you know, by this time, we had got a blessed with two children. And I was saying, well. And finally, she just said, told God, God, I can't do this with Steve anymore. Seven years, literally, I gave her a hard time. So she uh, goes to her knees and says, Lord, if you want to change Steve, you change him. And then uh, my wife, Suki, signed me up. And she's a saint for an angel to be married with me almost 38 years now. Uh, <laughs> but she signed me up for a Promise Keeper event in 1994 at the RCA Dome in Indianapolis. And since she already paid for it, I didn't want to waste the money. Uh, so I said, okay, I'll go because I can't get the money back. So I went. And as with 65,000 men at the Promise Keeper event, the first pastor gets up and he says, the worst sin in your life. I'm thinking, what is your worst sin in your life? Axe murder, um, you know, people, Hitler. Yes. Yes. He said, the worst sin in your life is your pride because your pride steals God's glory. All of a sudden, he's talking to me. My life flashes in front of me. Why was I the only handicapped kid, uh, first of all, put into a Christian orphanage to be adopted by an American family, then go to the best universities in, uh, in the United States, get married to a wonderful woman whom I've never dated, by the way. She, she turned down many, many uh, proposals. She said no to them. When I asked her, she said yes. Yeah. Her uncle said I had hypnotized her. Because why would she marry me? I was a student, okay. <laughs> oh, and then, and then uh, I have uh, you know two beautiful, healthy children, a great job, um, you know, just uh, everything. The world said you were successful, but I was taking credit for all that instead of giving God the glory and the honor and giving God the thanks. I was saying what I've done, and that uh, night in uh, June 1994, I uh, just felt uh, fell to the ground in my heart. Uh, and said, Lord, forgive me for stealing your glory. And that, that's when I started to grow uh, in my faith and truly become a, a follower of Christ. And, and when I did that, I could start accepting myself because before I did that, I could not accept the fact that I was handicapped. I would deny that I was handicapped. But once I accepted it, then I could say, Lord, uh, you know, thank you for allowing me to get polio. I know in John chapter 9, when the disciple asked Jesus, why was this man born blind? Did he or his parents sin? And Jesus answered, neither he or his parents sin, but God allowed it to happen for his glory. And so mm-hmm. I feel like that person now. So he allowed it for his glory. And so I'm so thankful now that I have a purpose in life. And polio is part of that purpose. Wow, there is so much wisdom in this story. Mr. Steve Sterling is with us today on the road. 
Steve is the president and CEO of Medical Assistance Programs International and authors the new book, The Crutch of Success, From Polio to Purpose, Bringing Health and Hope to the World. MAP.org to learn more about the organization and to link to a copy of the book as well. So how do you make the decision? You have this incredible spiritual experience. How do you make the decision then to leave the Fortune 500 world and step into the nonprofit realm where you are today? I had said earlier about uh, when I was in the uh, orphanage that uh, I, uh, when I got abused, I would then take it out on uh, the other disabled kids when, when I went back home. And in uh, 2000, uh, when the NASDAQ and the stock market crashed, uh, I was laid off and it was the best thing that happened in my life because I had the time to then travel to Korea. My, uh, Mrs. Uh, um, Holt, uh, uh, passed away. She was the founder's wife and she was really the face of and heart of Holt. And so I was on the board for nine years at Holt. So when she passed away, we had, we were at the time because I was laid off and I had, you know, lots of frequent fire points. So we flew to Korea to attend her funeral in 2000, and there I met one of my childhood friends. His name is Kim Su. He has severe cerebral palsy. He could barely feed himself. He's in an electric wheelchair, so he could get around. But he was smiling at me, so I thought, oh, he must be my friend. So I said, Kim Su, what do you remember? What do you remember me? He goes, yes, Myung Su, I remember you. My wife's translating for me, by the way. And I said, what do you remember me about? He said, Myung Su used to beat me up all the time. And, and because I got picked on that, I would go home and pick on, on them. So I said, uh, Kyung Soo, would you forgive me for what I did to you growing up? And I felt really bad because I'm really strong upper body and he could barely feed himself. So I'm just taking out on him every day. And it's a Myung Soo. He was smiling at me. He said, I forgive you a long time ago because Jesus forgave me of my sins. When he said that, I was speechless. I'm just thinking, you know, here's a man trapped in his own body. He could barely feed himself, and he can't really take care of himself. He'll never know the joy of of have, having the life that I live, and of, you know, married a wonderful wife, and two children, a job, and going on vacation, driving a car, all these things. But he's happy, and I start thinking to myself, what am I doing with my life? And there I said to the Lord, Lord, tell me what you want me to do. I will do anything you want me to do. Not blessed which job I'm going to take, but I will do anything. And then I learned uh, uh, by reading the book uh, for the founder of Holt that at the beginning of their organization, uh, they were helped by Bob Pierce, the uh, the uh, founder of World Vision. So that's how I, I you know I looked up World Vision on the, in the website, and I literally picked up the phone called the senior VP of marketing, and that's how the conversation started. And literally, I told them look, I will do anything you want me to do. And uh, after many interviews, they hired me as vice president of marketing operations in federal way, Washington. Well, it's an incredible journey. It really is. Today it has you leading this extraordinary organization, MAP. What is it out there doing each day across the globe? This is really a special effort. It, it really is because, you know, we take for granted in this country for most part, uh, that we could get access to antibiotics when you're sick or or if you have hypertension, high blood pressure, you have access to hypertension medicine, about cardiovascular medicine, if you have diabetes, you have access to diabetes medicine. Uh, we take that for granted. 
And there are 2 billion people in the world that do not have access to life-saving medicines. So the way uh, MAP works, and by the way, we're a 65-year organization, so we've been around for a long time and we're highly regarded by all the uh, watchdog agencies and whatnot for our efficiencies. The way we work is that we get pharmaceutical companies to donate us medicines that's gift in kind. When the medicines get to around eight months, they can't really sell it in the retail. So they will give it to us. And so then we have to process it very quickly with our implementing partners with uh, boots on the ground. And so we're able to uh, distribute over a half a billion dollars of life-saving medicines every year uh, by getting the pharma companies donate the medicine and our partners to distribute them all over the world. So it's such a worthwhile work. And because we're so efficient, if somebody donates a dollar uh, of donation, that will actually provide $68 of life-changing medicine because we get that medicine donated. Well, thank you so much for that, sir. We have just a couple minutes remaining. Uh, obviously, such an incredible story here today of Steve Sterling. He's the president and CEO of Medical Assistance Programs International. The new book is called The Crutch of Success, From Polio to Purpose, Bringing Health and Hope to the world and sir available wherever fine books are sold this website map.org as well is that the best place to go to learn more about you and to see a copy of the book yes uh and if you want a copy right away you can go to amazon.com and you know they can have it the next day with amazon prime uh so uh, and most of uh you come to the website and learn more about uh, map and myself and i would welcome that and get engage with uh, everyone to get involved with this movement to help people around the world. I think it just the, just the few moments that we have left, you have said so many extraordinary things throughout the course of the conversation, but that one, that one statement that you consider your polio diagnosis to be a gift, that's probably the thing that will perk so many of our ears up. You know, even all of these years later, how has God given you the perspective and the wisdom to see it that way. It's an opportunity and a, a blessing because uh, I'll just give you a perfect example. You know, I, I try to I swim to stay healthy, and people will see me in, in, um, in the sauna or whatnot. They will start saying, "Oh, well, I really admire you for you know getting working out, and you know this must be very difficult for you." But that opens the door for me to then talk about the hope that I have because I say. When I get to heaven one day, I will not have crutches. And then I'll tell them it's a good thing we get to heaven to Jesus Christ because I will not get there myself. So it opens the door to have a conversation. And either there are a lot of there are many Christians, so we have a good fellowship time, or they don't know Jesus and I have to share with them. And God has used me a number of times in the past to lead people to himself in the sauna. And I kind of jokingly will say, it's going to be a lot harder than uh, hell in sauna, so my house is something to Jesus. But, but it just gives you time to, you know, uh, to talk about the glory of God and uh, what, what my hope is in. And so I use that as an opportunity to share uh, Christ with people. And also, you know, people, I, when I travel, uh, I, th- thankfully we have people pushing me in my wheelchair at the airport, but that gives me 10, 15 minutes to talk to that person. First, I thank them for what they're doing, because without them, I can not do the work. And then I engage in a conversation about, about the Lord. And if, if they are interested, great. If not, we don't talk about it. 
but just give those opportunities to talk about about Christ because at at the end of the day, that's the only thing that's going to last is uh, our relationship with the Lord and how many people we share the love of Christ with. Uh, and that's why we are put on this earth. And I believe in Ephesians 2, uh, 10, where it says we are God's workmanship, praising Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. And for me, it is to be here at MAP as a CEO, helping uh, millions of people around the world get access to life-saving medicine. And by the way, I cannot do, the, do this work without my wife, who is a full-time partner. And there's so many other people that enable me to do this work our staff, our board members, our donors, and partners. So uh, while I'm the head of the MAP, there's many, many people, volunteers included, that make us what we do possible. Well, wow. What a story. What a humble man. What a wise man. He's been with us today, Mr. Steve Sterling, the president and CEO of Medical Assistance Programs International. And that book title, one more time, The Crutch of Success, From Polio to Purpose, Bringing Health and Hope to the World. Sir, it really has been an honor to meet you. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for your time. Well, thank you, Ryan, for what you're doing and on the road. And thank you for sharing uh, my story with your listeners. And God bless you what you're doing. Thanks for sharing in the story of this latest episode of Faith Radio's On the Road. For more on today's conversation and the full podcast archive of all our episodes, look for On the Road when you visit MyFaithRadio.com. Thanks so much for listening to On the Road. Programming like this happens because of your incredible support. You can learn more about partnering financially at MyFaithRadio.com. And we'd be so glad to connect with you during the week on social media. Just search for On the Road with Ryan Thomas on Facebook. And our Twitter handle is at OnTheRoadRyan. Until next time, God bless you, my friend.